Welcome to the Claudio Rosano Show on ClaudioRosano.com, brought to you by Roscoe Hearing and Allergy Care Center. Claudio will be speaking to sports legends from the 70s, 80s, and 90s about their careers, business, and what they're doing now. He will also hold roundtable discussions with some old friends about trending topics in the world of sports. And now, here's Claudio. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Claudio Rosano Show, brought to you by Roscoe Hearing and Allergy Care Center, where we are taping from the My Policy Quote Studios in Swickley, Pennsylvania. As always, I want to thank Rick Mitchell for the introductions and my fantastic producer, Adam Zalouf. Today's guest, uh, Brandon Steiner, was on my wish list when I first started this podcast four years ago, and, and thankfully we have him on now. He started Steiner Sports, which if you have any sports memorabilia, most likely it came from Steiner Sports. He now owns the Steiner Agency, the Athlete Direct, Collectible Exchange. He also is a speaker and author of three great books. Two of them I have. I'm going to get the, the newest one, The Business Playbook, You Gotta Have Balls, and the, the, his latest, Living on Purpose. So please welcome Mr. Brandon Steiner. Brandon, thank you so much for taking time to be on the show. Nice to be with you. I appreciate it. It's hard to imagine, like, Steiner, not with Steiner. I know, when I, I hear that, it's like, <laughs> ah! But uh, Collectible Exchange has been really good to me. It's a, it's a great site. It's very different in a lot of ways from Steiner, where it's like a marketplace. We're just better than eBay. So people can buy, sell, and then we come up with really cool products and signings as well. So... We're just into the fandom part of it all, and um, it's been really working out really well. It's a, it's just very unique. Hard to leave your name behind, but that was a great company. But I think what I've created is even better. It's got even more product on there and gives people a lot of uh, flexibility. Great. You know what? We're, we're going to jump around a little bit today. This is going to be a little bit of a sure. different interview. It's going to be questions that maybe if you and I, if you and I were sitting somewhere, questions that I would ask you, but... The, the way you, you you grew up, okay, you're very open about it. Um, did that have any bearing on how you run business today and even why you sold Steiner Sports to obviously create a uh, some wealth for your family? Did the way you grew up have anything to do with that, your, your thoughts and process? I mean, I, I think as a rule of thumb, I think where you grow up and who raises you has a tremendous impact on anybody. I mean – you look at, you know, and, and there's pluses and minuses, no matter how bad your circumstances are. Remember, and my mom always said, our circumstances suck. We're, our circumstances are poor. But you're rich. You can do anything and be anything you want. And I think who raises you and the kind of guidance and, and push for your self-esteem and push to give you confidence and guide you is critical. And the neighborhood you grow in, you know, you are, you are listen, you grew up, you know, you, you wake up, and, you know, if, you, if you're in the gutter, don't be surprised you wake up with a bunch of rats around you. So, you know, <laughs> the, the neighborhood and the people you hang out with has a profound effect. And, you know, for me, you know, growing up very poor, I always tell people I got evicted from my childhood. I've been working since I'm 10. And I grew up in a really good neighborhood, you know, a nice middle class, upper middle class neighborhood. Problem was is that I was probably the poorest kid in that neighborhood by far. It was, a little, it was a little challenging, you know, when you're around people that have more than what you have. But uh, it was it was a, it was my adversity became my advantage. It, it drove me, uh, gave me good guidance. I learned how money got made at an early age, and got an opportunity to see how a lot of other working families made money, and it gave me some good guidance that way. So there's always an advantage to every situation you're in if you look for it. 
and you know you don't want to get grudged down and you know by your past you know by your circumstances that you get put in i had no choice where i was raised and grew up but you gotta make the most of it and um i think i did you know first person in my family to go to college uh graduate college um the fact that i could even afford college was amazing so you'd be surprised if you put your mind to something I don't believe when people say you could be anything, you could do anything. Oh, God, I hate when people say that because that's not true. But I think there's a lot of things you can do. And there's no shortage of doors you can go into. The key is to avoid some of the doors you're not supposed to go into. That's the key. Now, like I said, I, I know we have a short time with you, so I'm going to get to as many things as we can. <clears throat> people look at you know, St- Steiner Sports and, and, oh, it must be literally fun and games. You deal with all these athletes, but it wasn't always like that, and it still isn't, I'm sure. But tell us about the, the Evander Holofield Mike Tyson event that you had planned and, and the adversity and the obstacles that that created and brought to you. Well, you know, when I was getting started and, and you talk to a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, they'll tell you how many times they almost failed or went out of business. And I was building up a closed circuit fight business, a little bit of what Amazon's doing right now with the Thursday night with the sports bars. If you wanted to watch a, a closed circuit fight, you had to go to a movie theater or a sports bar. And I would sell the rights to these sports bars and to different theaters in the tri-state area. And I was building up this route of people buying it in hopes that I was going to make a huge amount of money for the Tyson Holyfield until Tyson got in trouble with that rape charge and everything got delayed and, and the heavyweight thing kind of fell apart. And boy, that was a real setback, but you know, that sometimes you have to blow up what you got in order to make room for something else. So as much as I was really down at that time, because that was a business I've been working on for several years and it kind of fell apart, it pushed me into something else. And, uh, and I, I, you know, naturally scooted into some other businesses, uh, because that closed circuit thing was going to be kind of delayed and it worked out pretty well. I mean, I started doing player fan mail in the early nineties and it's unbelievable. And, uh, just to find appearances, I would open up their mail, you know, back in the early nineties, players would have boxes of fan mail. They didn't know what to do with it. And I would just open it up and look for appearances and then help them with important notes from kids that maybe asking for something or kids that were sick and that's a great way how i got a lot of my relationships started with a lot of the players sure now was there any business that you tried to start that just didn't make it and and how did you deal with that because there's a lot of people again who entrepreneurial spirit that they, they try things and it just doesn't work as hard as they try i mean how much time do we have to talk about these failures because <laughs> i can go on and on but i mean there's so many things that i tried that you know, I was in the ice cream business, I opened up a, a ice cream chain called Last Licks. Licks is learning, interest, creativity, knowledge, sportsmanship. Uh, I had like eight or nine stores and it, that didn't work. Um, I came up with so many different concepts, at, even at Steiner, that I thought was going to be huge and didn't work. Um, some of my best ideas ended up being, you know, pretty mediocre. Um, that's why I would say, you know, um, got a sample quick. You know, dream big, sample quick, and, and fail immediately. You know, it's like dream big, sample, and then fail. I mean, don't be afraid to walk away. And that's really what happened, like, about 15, 20 years ago when I started realizing, as I started playing on a bigger platform, this is a really important lesson, I think, is that when you start playing on a bigger platform and winning bigger, the losses get bigger, too. You're not, no one's get, no one's pitching a shutout in business. So when your, your, your winnings get bigger, your losses are going to get bigger. You got to be prepared for that. 
And that's when I really started getting more into sampling. So I wouldn't have to deal with deep losses. I think losing is going to be a huge part of winning and earning, you know, and learning. But I think that I started doing a lot more sampling and started looking at a little bit of, you know, some ways to measure whether something was going to work or not, instead of going with my gut, instead of going with a vibe or a feeling, uh, I was a little more calculated and, you know, some it's just a much smarter way to go. And I think sometimes as an entrepreneur, especially if you have some success as I did, you start feeling like everything you do is going to be a winner. You feel like you can almost pitch a shot out every time, but it doesn't work out that way. And the minute, minute you start thinking that all your ideas are gold, that's immediately when you're headed the wrong direction, sprinting the wrong direction enthusiastically. You know, with with my career, people will say, you know, doing this or doing that, you've done well or whatever. And I say, oh, you know, I always think I can do better. Dan Marino, I, I know you're a collector of quotes as, am I, as, as I am. And Dan Marino always says, you can do more, you can always do more. And Mario Andretti, his famous line is, if you have everything under control, you're not going fast enough. And so I always think I can do more. And, and is it that I'm not happy with what I've accomplished, but I always feel I can go higher make more, do more. What do you tell? And, and, and I think you're like that. I, I read one of the stories where in your office one day, you guys had some great numbers and, and, but you wanted everybody to push that much harder. Am I, am I right? Yeah. I've been notorious for the what else, what's next uh, right. concept. And uh, that's a very entrepreneur type spirit. You know, what else, what's next, what else times what's next is equals first to market. So it's a good concept to hold on to. Because when you start thinking about what else, what's next, what's missing, it'll lead you to the white space and hopefully enable you to come up with an idea maybe that one hasn't thought of. You got to be careful, though, because a lot of times, sometimes what you have is enough, too, and you got to balance that. And a lot of times what you have doesn't need a what else or what's next, but it needs more fine-tuning, needs more empathy, meaning, you know, thinking more about how people are viewing your product. I really think if you really want to get ahead in entrepreneurism, you need to always turn up your uh, empathy because it's, I would say turn up your common sense because empathy is putting yourself in a common person's shoes and, and getting yourself out of your head and getting into someone else's head and understanding what they're thinking, what they're feeling, what they're looking for, what they want. doesn't always match up to what you're thinking and what you want. And that's empathy. So when you really want to think about, you know, trying to go further and go next, it means, you know, not always only looking at the results, but trying to look at how people are optically looking at what you're doing, how they're feeling about what you're doing and how they're thinking in general. And that will give you the ability to know whether you should go further, wider, deeper, or maybe you need to hit the brakes and go some, do something else. So if you're an entrepreneur out there, you know, turn up your empathy, uh, start getting out of your head, start spending more time trying to get into your customers' heads and thinking about what they need how they need to be served and what they're looking for. And uh, it's amazing how simple that sounds, but it's amazing how often that does not happen. Even in the simplest of restaurants, clothing store, uh, it's amazing um, how many salespeople and entrepreneurs miss the fact that to really find the white space, you got to get out of your head and get into someone else's head. I, I like that. Now, you know, we, we touched on your upbringing. How much does fear uh, motivate you to this day? Well, it's a good question. I mean, and it's unfortunate. You know, my first book, you know, I wrote, you know, Wake Up Nervous, 
Right. And uh, I'm not I'm not sure that I still believe that that's a good thing. I, I think waking up with some some nerves every now and then is good, but you know I'm still waking up nervous every morning because it's so habitual, and I have nothing to be nervous about. It's, it's kind of foolish, but. Um, listen, fear is, is a tremendous motivator. You know, the, the fear of failing. Just don't have a fear. Uh, a lot of people have a fear to succeed. You know, they're afraid to succeed. You have to give yourself permission to be the best, do the best, and want to be the best. And I think a lot of people come up with some kind of concoction about not wanting to do that because they don't think it's going to work out. And if you don't think it's going to work out, then more than likely it won't. So as much as I like fear as a motivator sometimes, I think it can be very powerful. But make sure it's not a fear here to be great and a fear to be successful. Uh, I think success sometimes can be a huge deterrent for more success, too. I don't mean to get too complicated about it, but you know, I've seen a lot of teams you know, winning at halftime and end up losing the second half. I think success, you have to be careful how you handle it. And sometimes you see kids that go to college, they're really good players, and all of a sudden – their careers don't end great because, you know, they were, they felt they got there. They felt that they were there. You know, success, do not let success be a deterrent for more success. And I think it's a very common thing that happens with a lot of companies. And that's where the what else, what's next needs to come in. And that's where leadership is so important to not stop at success because ultimate goal is not to be successful. The ultimate goal is to be extraordinary. We're all ordinary, but only a few of us are extraordinary. And the extraordinary is doing all the little things and not continuing, not settling for success, but wanting to do more. I would say, you know, if you're making a difference, making an impact, you're, you're getting better tomorrow than you were today. Those are things that, you know, you're in the right direction. And I think that that's really, really important is, you know, fear is okay, but don't be afraid to be great because you, something happened 20 years ago when you tried something and you went, you put yourself out there and then all of a sudden, you know, you break up with some girl and all of a sudden she dumped you and now you're thinking every girl's going to dump you. Like, don't be afraid, you know, to try different things because something else didn't work five years ago. And I think a lot of people, the fear you hear often is, you know, the fear of failure, but I, I always look at the fear of sometimes people of being really great and successful when they have a lot more energy and a lot more talent than they even realize themselves. Yeah, those are some great, uh, great words for sure. We're going to take a quick commercial break to hear from our great sponsors, Roscoe Hearing and Allergy Care Center, Dom's Pizzeria and Sports Bar, criminal defense attorney Eric Jackson-Lurie, and our new sponsor, my policy quote, called Lou Ragianti at Area Code. Or visit mypolicyquote.com. Him and Mike Carrots are great people. Don't forget about my book, Lead from the Heart Up, Not the Neck Up How to Create a Positive Winning Culture in the Field and in the Office. You can get that at Barnes and Noble in Robinson Township and on my website. And don't forget about our boxing show, The Boxing Authorities on Channel Box and on uh, Vive Television Network. Check out Luther Dupree Jr., myself, and Smoke and Jim Frazier. And you can also catch me on Claudio Relsano TV. We're right back with Brandon Steiner.
Dr. Roscoe, I've been talking to my dad and he seems out of sorts, like he can't understand what I'm saying. It's not just a hearing problem, Jolie. It is a health problem. Even with a mild hearing loss, our risk of dementia doubles with age. So let's improve dad's hearing and his health. Let us be the solution to his hearing health care needs so you and dad can experience many years of understanding, laughter, and happy memories. Serving the Dubois area for over 20 years, the Roscoe Hearing Care Center in Dubois, Punxsy, and St. Mary's. The hearing solutions you've been looking for. Call us for an appointment today, 814-375-0455. The law offices of Eric Jackson Lurie are available when you need it for all of your defense needs. Maybe it's a DUI, or maybe you found yourself in the wrong place at the wrong time. Whatever the scenario, the law offices of Eric Jackson Lurie are available seven days a week. With a practice based throughout western Pennsylvania, the law offices of Eric Jackson Lurie are conveniently located in downtown Pittsburgh and Fox Chapel. When you or a loved one needs discreet, experienced legal representation, call Eric Jackson Lurie at 412-963-9308. That's 412-963-9308. We want to welcome our newest sponsor, Dom's Pizzeria and Sports Bar. 502 Cavett Avenue in Trafford, Pennsylvania. Call 412-372-3667. Don Pecora, great guy, great food. Make sure you tell him we sent you. How much was your tax penalty for your health insurance last year? Were you told your health premium was going to be something and you wound up paying a huge tax penalty? Are you tired of being lied to about your premium and then getting stuck in the penalty box? Lou and his team at My Policy Quote are your number one draft pick. They have access to all the top carriers, and as a brokerage, they have full market visibility with the tools and experience. Let Lou help you and your family find truly affordable quality insurance and quarterback your power play to get you out of the penalty box. Call Lou and his team at 412-609-9963. Okay, Brandon, you know, both of us obviously uh, have been around athletes and something that really motivates me and also pumps fear into me is when I've seen athletes who've made zillions of dollars and they don't have it anymore. And that's why for me personally, I, I, I'm always pushing, always pushing, always looking to do more. What's next? Wake up nervous. Or like uh, Fran Targington says, wake up with a sense of desperation because if those guys can lose everything they have, you know, who am I not to lose, you know, what I have. And it's very important to me not to, I have a 21 year old daughter. I have a wife. I live in a great uh, area here and I want to provide. What are your thoughts to that? Well, you know, my thoughts are, you know, what I think happens a lot of times with kids is their parents aren't uh, upfront with them. I I think you got to be upfront with your kids. Like, if you're rich, you know, you got to tell your kids, hey, you know, we have a lot of money. Doesn't mean you have a lot of money. I have a lot of money. <laughs> and you need to show your kids how you made that money and the sacrifices and the work that went into figuring out how to make a lot of money. And if they want to one day have a lot of money, what they would need to go through as opposed to just expecting it just be handed down to them. And I think a lot of parents make that mistake. Like, you realize how big a house we have? Yeah, nice cars we got. Kids didn't ask for it. But I say to my kids, like, listen, there's a nice car, huh? Let me tell you how hard I worked for this car. Let me tell you how I got my first new car. You don't have to get a nice car like this. One day, when you, you'll decide how hard you want to work, and then you can decide if you want a nice car or not. And I, I try to explain to my, you know, my kids, as my mother's explained to me, 
when we were as poor as we were and why we were as poor as we were and what we needed to do to get out of it. So I, I think sometimes that the, the talk, the honest talk with your kids, particularly about how $1 is made. I always say, you know, if you can do anything with your kids, explain to them how $1 is made. I can't believe how many kids I interview coming out of college. When I ask them, how do you make a dollar? They can't answer the question. Because you can never make a lot of dollars if you don't know how to make one. I think that's that's just a critical thing. I think the second thing is, you know, par- parenting is not an easy, not an easy job. I mean, it's extremely hard to parent your kids to success, and it's it's probably the most important job you have is parenting and the most complicated job. I wrote a whole bunch about this in my last book, Living on Purpose, and the one thing I, I'll tell you a quick story, and that is, my son one day went into my bedroom and woke me up. Said, Dad, uh, can you give me a ride to school? Mom had to leave early, and she told me to come and see if you'd give me a ride. I'm like, are you out of your mind? You're waking me up right now to take your ass to school? Are you nuts? His dad, like, I said, you get on a bicycle, use your two feet, get on the phone like you do when you need a play date, call some of your friends, walk to school. The dad, I'm nine. I said, yeah, yeah I'm not always going to be around. I never, nobody ever took me to school. I walked to school. You know, you got to sometimes figure stuff out. You can't expect your parents all the time to figure everything out for you. Now, I said to my son, uh, I was probably a little tough on him that morning, and, and I said to him, listen, I said, one of the most important things in growing up is being able to figure stuff out, using your some diligence, using your ability to have the resources that are around you to make whatever it is you need work. You didn't come in the bedroom and say, Dad, I'd be more than happy to come in your warehouse say after school, help you. You gave me a ride to school because Mom had a split, and I'm not sure I'm going to get to school this morning. Now, you do something for me. I do something for you. Great. What are you doing for me? Do you waking me up? I'm working hard all day. Why, why, why should I wake up early and take you to school? What are you going to do for me? You didn't even think about it. When you start asking people for favors and asking for things, you may want to think about what you can lead with to help them first. Or maybe there's one of your friend's parents that could take you. You need to even think about how you're going to survive and work your way to school. You just expected someone to just do it for you. And a big part of growing up is figuring it out. What I love about my son, which he hates when I tell that story, but it's true, <laughs> is that he became such an amazing figuring it out kid. And isn't that a big part of growing up is being able to figure shit out? Because that's really what you want to do as a parent. You need to prepare your kids, not baby them prepare them for the rough waters and the difficult life stuff that presents and you, your kids will be ready. That's your job as a parent, not to baby them, cuddle them, make it easy, not to give them the life that you didn't get, but prepare them for the life that they may run into. Roberto Clemente, his last Making interview. your kids so soft. Yeah, yeah. Roberto Clemente, his last interview in Pittsburgh in October of 72, he was asked what do you want for your kids? And he said, I want them to suffer. And the, the reporter said, what do you mean? He says, because when you saw, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, because when you suffer, you look at things differently, you live differently, you handle things differently. And, you know, my, my parents who, Brandon, I, I can't say one negative thing about my parents. They, they adored me. Uh, and I love my parents more than anything in this earth. At my, I lost my mom. She was pretty young. She was only 48. And my dad, 70 75 but uh at the same time as much as they loved me 
man, if I got off of that lane just a little bit, they made damn sure I was back in that lane. And I had a, my dad had a landscape business on top of working in the mill. I had a lawnmower in front of me since I was eight. Okay, I was always working, so I I know exactly what you're talking about. But I I don't think that's the case anymore. And I know that my daughter, who's a senior at Pitch, she's in the color guard, captain of the color guard, and, and I love her more than anything on this earth. But at the same time, you know, I push her and and basically do the exact same things you just said do. But I don't see that anymore. And I see a lot of different attitudes out there when it comes to kids. I think that, you know, for me, it's like, you don't want your uh, ringtone to be ding-a-ling-a-ling, ding-a-ling-a-ling, which is the Mr. Softy truck. You're not there to be your kid's best friend when they're growing up. Maybe when they grow up and become adults, yes, but you're there to prepare them and there make sure they're ready for the difficulties that life will present because life is difficult and you can't escape it. And if you don't set your kids up to deal with some of those difficulties, you're not up front with them about it. And you're putting your kids in a situation where more than likely they're not going to be prepared and other difficulties will come into play. So, you know, it's not an easy job. And uh, I don't think there's one way of parenting. Um, I, I certainly think there's a lot of ways to get there. And I've seen some great parenting. And I do think that parenting, as we go back to your first question, who raises you and how you get raised is huge. And I wish that more parents would spend more time thinking about what the hell they're doing. And in a lot of cases, a lot of parents are doing some really good things and they just need to do it more. And um, I wish more parents would collaborate more with each other to get a better feeling of how to best parent in a particular neighborhood at a particular time and period. Because, you know, listen, it's different to raise a kid today than my mother raised 50 years ago. I mean, it's not the same. Be foolish to say that. So things change rapidly. So it's not like I can go give my kid advice how to raise a kid. Things are going to be different when he raises a kid uh, in upcoming years. Now, we kind of touched on this a little bit, but maybe we can go into just a little bit minutes here. Again, with me, I, I always feel like I could do more. I always feel I could do better. And not that I'm not happy with what I've done, but I'm never content. Would you say, and sometimes, to be honest with you, Brandon, I get frustrated. And um, like I'm, I'm on some things now, an executive coaching business, and on uh, doing a little bit more speaking. And there's a few people who are trying to hire, trying to get me hired and trying to get me some exposure. And I've been patient, but it's not easy being patient. But what would you tell me? Uh, because I'm frustrated. Again, I, I feel I could be doing more. Well, that's true. I mean, that's why you're here. You know, the, the, the bottom line is what I would tell you is, is that there's only one. There's only two reasons why you're on this planet, being a human being. And one is to help another. That's, you know, there's no other species that would help one another, can fix one another's problems and, and like the human race. And there's only one species on the planet. You know, there's no dog, cat, bird that can get better, that can do more. An elephant's going to eat 17 hours, poop, eat more poop, maybe have a little sex and sleep for six hours. They're never going to get better. They're never going to change. You're not going to wake up in the morning and see your dog in the corner, have it walk itself, fed itself, reading the New York Times. It's just there's no species that has the ability to get better except for the human species. So the fact that you instinctively want to do more, get better, yeah, that's human nature, and that's why we're here. If you're not getting better, you're not thinking about doing more, you're wasting the opportunity of you just being born and being here on this planet. So your instinct's right. But also on the same note, 
and this is a, something I struggle with sometimes too. And that is like, what's enough? You know, right, it's like, right. you know, sometimes, you know, you got to look at it like, wow, I can't believe what, what, how much I've already done. And sometimes the speed of certain things that take longer happen for a reason. And I've never been the most patient person, but I've learned to be more patient. I've learned to also be a lot more. And I would, my suggestion to you is when you get into this mindset where you're impatient, turn up your gratitude, turn in your appreciation, you know, turn up your appreciation, your appreciation and gratitude will conquer everything. And, and I try to just remember how great, how great, you know, how much, how much faith and how much, how, how great so many things have been for me. You know, why would I dwell on a couple of things that have taken a little longer than I was hoping? And I think that sometimes disappointment comes with what you think is going to happen. And then there's what the world gives you. And that gap is disappointment. And I think that, I mean, all you did is you're predicting who's to say how long it's going to take to get the speaking gigs and some of the executive coaching. It's a forecast that you made. It was a guess. doesn't mean that it's real. It was just a guess. You don't have any factual information to say I should get X amount of speaking, X amount of coaching. And I think when you turn that disappointment into appreciation and gratitude for the little bit of coaching you're already doing and a little bit of speaking you're already doing, that'll initiate you to open up the doors to get more and do more. Appreciate that. I appreciate that. Now, uh, again, both of us have dealt with athletes, uh, like, for example, for me, when I go to the Major League Baseball winter meetings, sometimes I have to deal with guys or I see guys that I grew up watching. And and it's kind of weird, but then I have to say, okay, wait a minute, I'm here on business, right? Who has done that for you? I mean, who have you, two-part question, who have you met that made you float? For me, it was Joe Namath. I've been fortunate to meet a lot of guys, but, you know, Namath was Namath. Uh, and then, like I said, whenever I have business dealings with a lot of these major league people watching, I have to kind of dial it back a little bit and say, OK, this is a, a business thing here. Who made you float when you met them and who did you have a meeting with a business meeting that you grew up watching and idolizing? But then you had to say, OK, wait a minute, Brandon, this is a business uh, business time. You know, I, I, I have a different approach to all that. And, and that's just my take. And I've done this a long time. But. You know, anybody that I work with athlete-wise, marketing-wise, player-wise, I always try to maintain my, wow, I can't believe this is the coolest. Right. It, it's, I can't do my job unless I maintain the fact that, you know, I'm looking at this person's greatness. Because, like, like I said earlier, you know, we're all ordinary. Um, so I, I really try to maintain, no matter how many times I've been with a player, I always try to maintain that celebrity view, that, that amazing, extraordinary view of what that person is doing or accomplished. Um, you know, Muhammad Ali was amazing. That was like, wow. Um, you know, I always thought that way with Mariano. He was a wow. Mickey Mantle was another one that I got to do stuff with early in the days. He was amazing. Um, I, I really loved Roger Starback for many years. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Yogi Berra. You know, I've worked with so many different players. The man I want to be name dropping because it's insane. Epic the amount of athletes that I've done deals with and work with, and, and I'm not even talking about one offs, just a multiple year relationship with so many players. It's insane. And that's why I try to just move to gratitude, but I also try to maintain the little kid in me when I'm looking at them because that's the only way I could sell them and the only way I can market them uh, to companies to use by maintaining what's really incredibly popular and, 
and special about these players. Well, real quick before we get to our last question, and again, I'm not name dropping either, but I, as I know you know him as well, Jerry Cooney. I interviewed him, and Jerry's a great guy, as you know. But I, I live in the same house I grew up in, Brandon. So my old bedroom is my office studio. So I'm interviewing Jerry over the phone in the same room that I'm, I watched him beat Norton in 54 seconds. And, I'm, and it was kind of weird. It's like, wow, what the hell? Mm -hmm. And then uh, I remember I was interviewing Mario Entretti. And in the other room, I was about five when he won 500. But I remember my mom screaming in Italian, oh, do have vinciuto, Andretti have vinciuto. Andretti won, Andretti won. And here I am interviewing him. And it's like, so it's, it's kind of weird, but it's, I never use the word cool, but it's kind of cool. That these things have happened. But anyway, uh, okay, so our. All right, Greg, I'm right with you, man. Yeah. I love Jerry Cooney, by the way. Special guy, big give back guy. guy. Yeah. And, and that's yeah, another thing. Good. There's guys that we both have met that are big names and they act, they're just nice people. And then sometimes you come across people who nobody's ever heard of them and nobody ever will hear of them and they're a pain in the ass to deal with. Or they're arrogant, and I. I, I but can't most, get into but that. most players are cool. Most players oh, yeah. do the right thing, and it's only a few that that ruin it because, you know, it's a huge responsibility that comes with all the fame and fortune, and and you know, not everybody's meant to handle it. Um, it's not easy being these people, and just because you have a lot of money and a lot of fame doesn't make you a good person and a successful overall person. Just make sure you're extremely good at the particular sport or business you're in. The goal is to be an overall good person. And, and you know, fill up five of the categories, which include family, faith, fitness. I mean, what good is it having a gazillion dollars if you're in the worst shape and worst health of your life, right? You don't eat well and everything else. Like, what good is it? You know, what good is it if your kids hate you or your wife divorced you three times? Like, you know, these are all categories that are just as significant as having a lot of money. And I think sometimes people lose sight of that. And the goal is just to have everything, you know, all the buckets cranking. And that's why you got to be careful with the what else, what's next, and not being satisfied thing because you got to make sure you maintain your level of faith. You got to make sure you maintain the connection with your family and friends. I'll give you one quick story if I have time. Do you have sure. a minute to tell you a quick story? So I think it's really sizes it up. Is, is I was in spring training. I was watching a spring training game. I was meeting Mariano after the game for an appearance. And in the sixth inning, he comes out and sits down next to me. Now, I'm not going to lie. It was pretty cool. I mean, I'm watching Yankees spring training, Mariano next to me, just kind of a little earlier in my career, having done a lot with him over the years, but still, it was pretty cool. And I turned to him, I said, I thought we meeting after the game. What's up? He goes, well, I just pitched the last inning. And ah, I go, why? He goes, because I asked Joe uh, to get me in and get me out, because I wanted to go somewhere after the game with you. So I said, I guess it's just a spring training game. Who cares? What's the big deal? He goes, spring training game? Did you just see what I just did? The fifth inning, one, two, three, eight pitches. I, I was like, perfect. Yeah, but it was just spring training. Nobody cares. He goes, no, 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 Brandon. I pitched the same way in spring training game, in sixth inning, as I would in the World Series game seven or a big game during the year against the Red Sox. I never altered once I walk on the mound. There's only one speed and one mindset. And that's to be the best, do my best. I don't, I don't, I don't let the circumstances around me dictate how I'm going to perform. There's no such thing as a big game. My message to anybody listening to this conversation is please, please do not get caught up in the big meeting, the big call, the big game. Because all you're doing is insulting all the other meetings 
insulting all the other calls and th- different things you're doing, but she didn't really know what's going to be a big game or what not. But what's amazing about that lesson I learned is that people always said, Mariano, how do you go in the seventh inning and pitch so well? He says, well, I don't have to alter anything. I'm ready. You know, you know, if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. And it, it's such an important lesson. You take your level of perfection and professionalism to the highest level. You don't have to alter it when a big opportunity comes around. You're ready. And that's how I feel with my game. Like, I feel like you walk to my office and spend five dollars with me, I treat it the same way as it's five million. Um, it, it's just, you know, I'm ready. I treat every customer like they're the biggest and most important customer on the planet. And I think it's important to just in general treat everyone that way. And then you don't have to start altering about, oh man, I wish I would have treated that person better. Or, oh, I wish I would have been a little more focused in that meeting or whatever. And the, that consistency over time is what will lead you to credibility and extraordinary. That is a great. I, I know I tell my team, if we're up 10, score 11. If we're down 10, score 11. Don't worry about the score. But I, I shouldn't wanted... be able to tell whether you're down 10 right. or up 10. I, t- I tell them if a fan, friend, family member is coming to a game, I don't want them to know whether we're winning or losing. Just play all out all the time. And uh, exactly. so I'm with you a thousand percent. Our final question, and I appreciate your time uh, very, very much, Brent. This is a thrill for me. But our, our final word is brought to you by criminal defense attorney Eric Jackson Lurie with offices located in downtown Pittsburgh and Fox Chapel. Call Eric at 412-963-9308. Okay, Brandon, what would your mom say to you today about your life, your career, and how? She would say, wow, um, you probably owe me everything. <laughs> definitely part of everything you've made because I can't believe everything I taught you. You put it into play, used, and did so well. And I'm not kidding. She would say that because I did rip off so many of her concepts and so many of her ideas and put it into play. Um, so I think that she will tell me that one day when I, if I ever meet up with her again. And I, I think she said, I can't believe I'm so proud of you. I mean, you, you, I can't believe to the level you took what you're doing. But my mother walked into a, a business that I was running uh, in the mid in the mid-80s. And she just couldn't believe what I'd done with this business. And she's like, wow. Just, I mean, it was amazing what I had done with this uh, concept back in the mid-80s before I started even Steiner. And she just said, you realize this is nothing. You you one day, uh, your, your, your talent and the way you view business is very, very unique and different than anything I've ever seen. And you're going to be surprised at the level of success that you could reach. So I think my mother would say, I'm extremely proud of you. You know, you, I, it's just amazing what you've done, uh, but I'm not surprised. Um, I, I always saw that in you. Uh, I've been telling you that since you were a little kid, and, and I was telling you that to the day I died. That's exactly what my parents and my dad did say to me, and I know that to me as well. I think you just worded that in a fantastic way, and I know she'd give you a big hug too. Uh, Brandon, of course. Uh, Jim Valvano was a very important person in my life and he was a great guy and he always used to say that uh, his favorite word in the English dictionary was the word impact and you have had so much uh, that's the great thing about this show I've been able to interview people that had impact in my life you certainly have had to have impact in my life and you have no idea how excited I was to have you on excited and honored thrilled I am to have you on thank you so much for your time and um, just Keep waking up nervous because you're impacting a lot of people and uh, 
you're not, I, I always say keep accomplishing. And, and I know there's so. Well, by the way, if you want to get any of my books, just go to collectibleexchange.com. They're free through the end of October. All right, you got it. And also go to brandonsteiner.com, other businesses and all this other work. Uh, Brandon, thank you so Thanks much. Thanks for having for me, man. I appreciate thank it. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, everyone, I hope you guys enjoyed that as much as I did. I that what I said. That was a death. And in all. As always, want to thank our great sponsors, Roscoe Hearing and Allergy Care Center, Adonis Petrie and Sports Bar, Criminal Defense Attorney Eric Jackson-Lurie, and MyPolicyCorp.com uh, and Maggie Ante. Thank you, Rick Mitchell, for your intros and outros. My fantastic producer, best producer, Adam Zaluf. Uh, and thank you, fans, for listening to the show and your great comments and emails. Continue to send them in, subscribe to the show, and keep the shows. And as always, Thank you, Mom. Talk to you guys soon. Thank you for listening to the Claudio Rosano Show, brought to you by Roscoe Hearing and Allergy Care Center. Be sure to tune in next time on ClaudioRosano.com. to my mom she can't understand me she gets so cranky and irritable well your mother's ears cannot understand speech sounds and that leaves her trying to guess what you said this makes conversation exhausting for her can we help her Yes, Julie. Once we improve her hearing, she'll be less frustrated and be able to enjoy talking with you again. If your loved one needs help hearing and understanding, call the Roscoe Hearing Center at 814-375-0455. Hearing solutions with the care you've been looking for. The law offices of Eric Jackson Lurie are available when you need it for all of your defense needs. Maybe it's a DUI, or maybe you found yourself in the wrong place at the wrong time. Whatever the scenario, the law offices of Eric Jackson Lurie are available seven days a week. With a practice based throughout western Pennsylvania, the law offices of Eric Jackson Lurie are conveniently located in downtown Pittsburgh and Fox Chapel. When you or a loved one needs discreet, experienced legal representation, call Eric Jackson Lurie at 412-963-9308. That's 412-963-9308. We want to welcome our newest sponsor, Dom's Pizzeria and Sports Bar, 502 Cavett Avenue in Trafford, Pennsylvania. Call 412-372-3667. Dom Pecora, great guy, great food. Make sure you tell him we sent you. Are you tired of paying too much for health insurance? With those enormous premiums, you lose yardage, then get sacked with all the upfront costs. What are you paying for? Lou and his team at My Policy Quote are your number one draft pick. They have access to all the top carriers, and as a brokerage, they have full market visibility with the tools and experience. Let Lou help you and your family find truly affordable quality insurance and quarterback your power play to get you out of the penalty box. Call Lou and his team at 412-609-9963.